miracle week in our country, amen. And as we sing this song, we're crying out to the rooftops that I am his and he is mine. And <laughs> I love the word of God says that when Jesus came, he literally tore down this wall of separation, amen. Whereby Jews, like a wise man, <laughs> And Gentiles can come together and blacks and whites and Latinos and Asians. And I just want Jesus' name to be known. Amen? Can we be a house where Jesus' name can be known? Can we be that place? Amen? Can we be a place where Jesus is lifted up? Amen? And that all God's children are loved? Amen? God's children that choose to be policemen, amen, are loved. God's children that are black are loved. God's children that are tall and thin and short and dumpy. I came off the trail. Amy and I were on vacation, and we were hiking for three days and didn't hear anything about anything. And um, one of the last meetings I had before I went on vacation was with Marvin. And we were talking about God's hand upon Momentum Church and our passion to see diversity in our church. And, and literally, he's, Marvin's on our board, and, and we had said, you know what, that Tuesday night, our next board meeting, which is this coming Tuesday night, we want to talk. That's on the topic, the head of our agenda for that night as a board, just to talk about what does it look like. Who knew the prophetic implication of that meeting three and a half weeks ago to set in motion on a Tuesday night that we'd be discussing this issue, you know. When I was in the woods hiking with my wife, I don't know why, my, my mind was daydreaming on just what it looks like to look a little more like heaven as a church. What does that look like? And, and it was in my mind, just as I'm hiking, I'm, I don't know nothing about the news. And I come off the trail and get back home and start looking at Facebook and my heart just broke. My heart broke on both sides got family members that are in the police force, got deep close friends that are African Americans and just broke on both sides, you know. Yesterday was kind of like my last day off on my vacation and I'm doing the typical last honeydews, you know, and I could not just stop weeping and interceding and praying all day long. Can we reach across to each other just hold some hands and just come here I just want us to pray for God's comfort. Father God, right now, our friends that are African-American, God, our black friends, God, right now, many of them in their hearts are burdened and hurting. Lord God, I ask that you would encourage them, Jesus. Would you send people to speak life and love and encouragement to them? Father, right now, our friends that are in the police force, Lord God, our friends that weekly put their lives on the line, no scarier job there is. God, would you allow them to feel your support and strength? Would you send people of color their way this week to encourage their hearts, Jesus? Lord, what the enemy is meant to divide this country in the name of Jesus, we ask, Lord, that you would turn, Lord God, the tides on this. 
and that churches like ours all around this nation would use the day today to unite and use the day today to unite around each other not to jump on agendas but to humble ourselves to cry out to you for healing Jesus that judgment begins in this house because your word tells us that that if we who are believers God will pray and we'll seek your face and we'll turn from our wicked way there's nothing more wicked than racism and there's nothing more wicked than hate on either side and if that judgment begins in this house and we'll turn from our wicked ways you will hear from heaven you will answer our prayer you will send revival to your land Jesus and so in the mighty name of Jesus we lift this this tragedy multiply tragedies up to you and ask for healing and Jesus in your name we stand together in agreement and we bind and rebuke the lie of the enemy we come against the demonic forces that are trying to divide and trying to hurt this nation even more than it already hurts forces on both sides being led by the devil himself. We come against that in the name of Jesus. And we speak and loose unity in Jesus' name. Satan, how dare you divide our country? And we bind you in Jesus' name. And Lord God, we recognize and understand and know we may not be able to make a change in the world, but we sure can make a change in our heart. We submit our hearts to you. And Lord, I thank you for legislation that's made it easier. But God, we need our hearts changed on a whole. And so I just ask, Lord, that you change our hearts in Jesus' name. And in doing so, you change our home. And in doing so, you change our church. And in doing so, you would change our community. In Jesus' precious name. Let's continue to worship as we invite the Holy Spirit to have his way. Amen. Amen. Good morning, everybody. There are some things in life that they shouldn't make any sense as to why they bother me, but they do, and that was one of those things. I don't have a good reason. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm Brantley. I'm the discipleship pastor here. Uh, Ross, back in the house. We're excited to have Ross back with us. Um, and I, I don't get to preach, but like once every few months, so I'm a little bit jacked up, and I just had kickstart, so... Woo! Kickstart your worship experience. <laughs> um, so it, the past week I've been up in Ohio, which was a lot of fun. Went up to visit some family. And, uh, you know, sometimes you don't want to go visit family. These were people that we actually wanted to go stay with. Uh, they're, they're great people. They're, they're really incredible people. And, you know, from the time that we walk in, I don't know if you've ever been to somebody's house where even though you're not at home, you feel like you're just at home. Uh, and that's who these people are in our lives. And we were able to go up there and immediately, um, you know, from the time that you walk in, they're just welcoming you into their house. It's, you know, hey, listen, there's the pantry, there's the cups for water or whatever, there's the fridge, help yourself, you know, there's the couch, which I immediately fell asleep on because we had a 10 and a half hour drive. Um, I did. I, I, I fell asleep and I woke up and nobody was left in the room and I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> um, 
But it was, it was a really incredible experience, uh, just very hospitable. They just, it didn't matter what you did. You were just there. You were at home, and, and they just wanted to take care of you the entire time, uh, which was just, it was neat. You know, it's, it's a good feeling to just be calm and relaxed. Um, and I had another experience of hospitality as well uh, yesterday because I was flying back on Delta. I'm glad that that settled with you. Anybody in here flown before? Yes? All right, a few of you. Good. So then you'll understand exactly what I'm talking about. And forgive me because I know that this is probably going to be wrong for me to say, but like momentum fashion, I'm going to say it anyway. All right, for those of you that have flown, have you, we've all had that like one person that it was a great experience to sit next to them, but have you ever had the experience where you're walking down the aisle and you see where your seat is, like you're trying to figure it out and you see where your seat is and you see who you're going to be sitting next to and you have this moment, ah, dang it. Right, anybody? No, nobody. Okay. Oh, okay, a few of you. See, listen, I got to have some crowd participation. I'm a whole lot funnier and a whole lot better whenever you participate. So. I'm walking down the aisle, I see the person that I'm supposed to be sitting next to, and I know that it's wrong, but I immediately had that moment of, dang it, this is not going to be good. And so I, I, I slowly creep my way up, you know, and, and I look at the guy and I'm like, hey, uh, I'm going to be sitting uh, in that seat. So he's got the aisle seat, I have the window seat, and this is strike two for me because he does the following thing. He unbuckles his seatbelt. And I'm just thinking to myself, why are you unbuckling? You shouldn't be buckled. Because you see there's a seat next to you, and we're all having to fill in. Why are you unbuckling? Once again, this shouldn't make any sense as to why I'm getting frustrated over this, but I did. And I'm like, this guy should not be having to unbuckle because he knows that the likelihood of somebody sitting next to him and him having to get out of his seat is pretty likely. And now I'm that guy that has to get across. So I sit down or whatever, and then the plane starts taking off, and it gets worse. So I'm sitting there minding my own business because I'm not Ross. And <laughs> so I'm sitting there, and I'm just kind of keeping quiet to myself. The plane starts taking off, and he lets one go. I've got, I'm trapped. There's nowhere for me to go. <laughs> I mean, the seats are tall in front of me. The seats are tall in back of me. I got the window right here. I'm like, what do I do? So I did what any normal person would do. I turned on the vent and pointed it backwards so that it all blow back towards them and away from me. So then the real hospitality, so I mean, like, I didn't get to choose who I sat next to. I did get to choose, thankfully, who I stayed with. That's why we stayed with them because they were awesome. But the guy sitting next to me, I didn't get to choose that portion. But then the hospitality starts, right? The, the hospitality deltas, uh, complimentary Coca-Cola products, and four ounces of Starbucks, right? This is all their hospitality. It's their attempt at hospitality, right? Hey, we're going to, we are, they come over the intercom and make it sound really nice. We have complimentary Coca-Cola products that we'll be serving and four ounces of Starbucks. Well, thank you. What is four ounces of Starbucks, man? That's like, that's like half a shot of espresso or so. I don't know. I don't know. It's, there's not much caffeine in it, and I like caffeine. That's the only reason why I drink coffee anyway. And so I, I, I'm like, yeah, you're going to give me my four ounces of expensive Starbucks because I already paid for it. And I want my 15 mini pretzels. <laughs> Who eats 15 mini pretzels and is done? I eat like 35 regular pretzels dipped in peanut butter, and that's a snack. 
So, I mean, this is their idea of hospitality, but the thing is that I paid for this. I should be getting this. In fact, I feel like I should be getting more. I have this entitlement sense in me. I paid a lot of money for this ticket. I deserve more than four ounces of Starbucks and 15 mini pretzels and a guy who's passing gas next to me. (laughs) And then this is the final thing, okay? This is their final attempt at hospitality and really taking care of their customers. So the captain gets on the intercom and he says, all right, ladies and gentlemen, our, our flight departed at 4 o'clock and we will be arriving early. And we're like, yes, that's great. We're going to arrive early. So they have it listed as the flight is going to arrive at 551, all right, 4 to 551. I'm thinking, wow, two-hour flight to, from Ohio to Georgia? That seems kind of long. And he says, we're going to be landing early. And I said, okay, great. He says, we're going to be landing at 535. And then I look at the, at the flight data, and it says the flight time is an hour and 21 minutes. Now, I'm no math genius, <laughs> but an hour and 21 minutes, and we're, we took off at 4. We should be landing at 521, not 535. The, as far as I can see, we're 14 minutes late. <laughs> but what they do, it's strategic. It's part of their sales scheme, right, or it's part of their 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 sales strategy. They want to under-promise and over-deliver. It's very smart because most people don't, they're not irritating like I am, right? So what they do is they tell you that it's going to be this extra long flight and then they arrive early. So then you're like, wow, they're always on time. They're always early. I didn't realize, and that's why, have you ever seen their their slogan, the on-time machine or something? That's because Listen, if I tell you, hey, I'm going to be there at 5.30, and I know that I'm going to be there at 5, well, I can always look like I'm early. right? Well, that's what they do, and you pay a lot of money for this. It's their fake idea at hospitality. And, and here's the thing. I have a, a sense of entitlement because I pay a lot of money for it. But as we look at, at what hospitality is and we look at, at these different options that we have in life, Right, I'm reminded of grace because where I paid for my ticket, right, I did not pay to go stay with my family. Right, my family decided just to take care of me. What's ours is yours. What's yours is ours. Whatever you know, just come on in and, and here, take it. Right. Whereas at Delta, they, and no offense to Delta, if you're listening, I don't know why you would be, but and I, I'm looking up right now like there's cameras. Good job. Um, but you know, so. I paid for that. There is a sense of reciprocity that is expected, right? I, I give you money, and I expect something in return. Well, as we're looking at Ephesians, right, the big thing that we've been talking about, and I'm going to write it up here really big, is the word grace. It's one-sided, okay? So here's us, all right, it's grace, and here's a lady kind of with bad hair. All right, so... As we look at the idea of grace, it's one side. It's one direction, okay? And it's only going from the source to the people, okay? So grace is the idea of one, one direction. If it, if it comes back, well, that's a loan, all right? So that's, that's being repaid. And, and this isn't the word loan. It's the word grace. So as we look at Ephesians over the past few weeks, uh, Corey has talked about it. Stephanie has talked about it. Uh, we're, we're looking at the idea of grace and the one-sidedness of grace and how we don't have to look at that paying back because here's the thing whenever we're worried about paying someone back we have a sense of entitlement and we have no entitlement to the salvation which we were given as a gift I'm gonna take a break because that was really good 
here's the thing. I didn't over-rehearse. Ross, you'd be so proud of me. I didn't over-rehearse this because I'm the type of person that I like to make sure every detail is done. And so I rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed my sermons. This time I didn't do that because I was like, God, listen, you used Balaam's donkey to speak a word. And if you use Balaam's donkey to speak a word, it's probably going to be a whole lot more powerful than anything I have to say. So please speak. And, and man, God's got a word. And, and here's what I want. I, I really believe that God has a word for everybody in here. But if you don't believe it, then it's not going to matter. So here's the thing. Here's what I want everybody to say. All right, so repeat after me. God, if you have a message for me, please let me hear it. All right, let's go to Ephesians chapter 3. All right, I'm going to read all the way through Ephesians chapter 3. And I'm going to, I'm going to point out some different stuff here as we, as we go along. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, that's important because that's who he's talking to, the Gentiles, not the Jewish folks. If indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace, which was given to me for you, that by revelation there was made known to me the mystery as I wrote before in brief. And by referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men. We're going to come back to that. As it has now been made, uh, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the spirit. To be specific that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel of which I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me according to the working of his power to me, The very least of all saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles unfathomable riches of Christ and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery, which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things in order that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. Therefore, I ask you not to lose heart at my tribulations on your behalf, for they are for your glory. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with the power through his spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Mm. That's good stuff. Now then, I want to take a look at something here because as, as we were asked to, to kind of unfold each chapter and really explain it, I was stuck, to be quite honest. I was stuck for a while because I'm like, all right, it's the love of Jesus, right? I get it. But there, it's talking about what's the mystery. The mystery and, and this love of Jesus that uh, in, in verse 19 it says surpasses knowledge. So if it surpasses knowledge, it's a mystery that what God was trying to work out, what is 
that mystery. And then I started looking, man, and, and God started revealing all kinds of different stuff, I, I feel like. And, and this morning, I want to hypothesize with you just a little bit because Paul doesn't come outright and say it. There's a lot of implications throughout Scripture that we're going to have to read into. And I want you to follow along. And, and if you have your notebook, if you have your Bible, get ready because we're going to go through a lot of Scripture in a very short amount of time. And I'm probably going to talk a little bit quickly. Is it quick or quickly? Quickly. I think that's the right word. All right. So here we go. Paul is talking to the Gentiles. And he says that by revelation, this is in verse 3, that by revelation there was made known to me the mystery, as I wrote before in brief. Skip down to verse 5. Which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the spirit. There is something that existed in that time that all the people knew about but didn't understand. And it's a love that surpasses knowledge. That's what existed, and they didn't understand it. There was something in their tradition that they didn't understand. And here's the cool thing about the way that God works, because he's a great big marketing genius, okay? So in the Jewish uh, culture, right, God wanted to uh, figure out a way to make the most amount of people, the most amount of Jewish people in that time, uh, know that Jesus was actually the Messiah as possible. So what he decided to do was use these feasts that had been done for thousands of years and the traditions of men, all right, to, to illustrate his point about who Jesus was as their savior as well as what he came to do in their lives. So he started using these feasts, and I'm just going to cover these briefly, right, because we could do a whole daggum sermon series on the feasts. But just really quickly, let's start with Passover, the first feast of the year. Passover, Jesus dies, all right? During Passover, you have three matzah crackers. These are crackers, they're, uh, it's bread, it's without leavening, okay? And leaven in the Old Testament represents sin. So, three pieces of matzah cracker, three pieces without sin. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that middle cracker, Son, it's pierced, broken, buried in a shroud, resurrected, turned over to the elders for pieces of silver. Pretty crazy, right? I don't know, it sounds a lot like Jesus, all right? Next. Then you have the third cup that's taken during Passover. It says that the cup after supper, that's the third cup. This was, by the way, you know, some of these, in, uh, some of these traditions in Passover, they were not ordained by God. They were traditions created by the rabbis. So, but God still used them because he wanted to make a big time point. This third cup, that was a tradition created by the rabbis, it's called the cup of redemption. The cup of redemption. So he takes and he drinks and he says, this is my blood poured out for you. All right, he's making a point. And that third cracker, by the way, that I was talking about, whenever he says, this is my body broken for you, that's the piece of uh, bread that he's holding. All right, pretty crazy stuff, right? Then we go to the next day. All right, this is the day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread starts. Leavening, all right, we got to understand that leavening back in that time was dough that was decaying. That's how, they used, that's how they created leavening, dough that was decaying. Guess what? While Jesus was in the ground, they were saying that during the unleavened bread, they weren't using leavening because Jesus was not going to decay in the ground. Crazy, right? Somebody say right. Yeah, come on. All right, next, we have the first fruits, the feast of first fruits. Jesus resurrects on that day, all right? He was the first to resurrect of the rest of us that are going to resurrect into eternity with God. He was the first fruit offering back to God. Next, we have the, the feast of uh, Pentecost. Pentecost, 50 days later. All right. 
Now, all of a sudden, they're talking about how Moses was up on the mountain, smoke all around, and he's got the tablets, right? And, and now they're talking about Ezekiel and all the crazy stuff that he's seeing, tongues of fire and all of that. Guess what happens? All of the Jews have to come to, to the feast for Pentecost. There's thousands of people around whenever the Holy Spirit shows up. And guess what he does? Rushing wind and tongues of fire, right? God's pointing to who Jesus was and how the Holy Spirit came. It's craziness, okay? We're going to wrap this up real fast here. Then we go to the Feast of Trumpets. God's going to, Jesus is going to come back at the sound of a trumpet. Then you've got the Day of Atonement after that. Then you've got the Feast of Tabernacles. One day we're going to go live in the houses that God has made for us with him. See, God, God uses all the traditions and all the feasts of men so that that way he can point to who Jesus was in their lives. And he used those feasts specifically to reach out to the Jews. But here he's talking to the Gentiles. This is something that they should know about. This is a tradition that not only Jews would know about, but also Gentiles. What could that be? Well, I'm glad you asked. Thank you very much. I'm going to hypothesize that the traditions that they are talking about is the tradition of hospitality. Because this was something very serious. It wasn't just like, a, oh, yeah, we want to be hospitable, come over, hang out at the house. No, this, this had specific rules and regulations along with it. And this is something that applied to both Jews and Gentiles. This is something that had been around, and it was, it was heavily leaned on and, and heavily revered. And both of them would have known about this. It's something that had been around for a long time, but nobody actually understood. And it's something that has to reflect on the love that surpasses knowledge. Are y'all ready? Let's go to Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13. That's going to take too long for me to flip there. This is my old Bible that I haven't used, and I don't know. I left my other Bible in uh, Ohio, so I'm not used to this one. All right, so Hebrews 13, 2, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. All right, so guess who's, guess who's writing this? Most likely it's Paul, all right? Nobody has a definitive answer because he does not say that it's Paul, but it is widely agreed that it is Paul. And this time, guess who he's talking to? He's not talking to the Gentiles, he's talking to the Jews. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. Back in Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verse 19, uh, this is what uh, Stephanie had talked about last week, and here it's so interesting because he says, so then you are no longer strangers, and who is he talking to? In Ephesians, who is he talking to? Gentiles, that's right. So, we have our host, right? We have our host, and we have the strangers, okay? So he says, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. The hospitality to strangers, the strangers, those are people that are not of your family. They are people that you do not know. Stranger danger. I'm glad y'all found that as funny as I thought it was going to be. All right. So they're people that are not of your family. They, they were not Jews. They were people traveling, right? And, and it says, you know, and, and you have to understand, there was some hostility between the Jews and the Gentiles. There was some hostility, and yet they were still commanded and expected that whenever they're walking through, whenever they have no place to stay, nobody to take care of them, there's nothing around that's familiar to them, you take care of them. You show them love. You show them hospitality. That's what was expected. 
And there's a lot of different expectations that I want to go through here. And we're going to go back to Genesis. And we're going to bounce around to a lot of different verses here. And some of it's going to kind of encapsulate the same information. But I'm doing this because I want to show you that this isn't one verse here or there. It's all throughout Scripture that you can see it. You can research this. Let's go to Genesis. All right. Genesis 18. All right. There were a few things that they were expected to provide as a host. All right. So. Now, the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre. This is Abraham, okay? The Lord appeared to him, Abraham, by the oaks of Mamre. While he was sitting at the tent door in the heat of the day, when he lifted up his eyes and looked, behold, three men were standing opposite him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in your sight, please do not pass, by, pass your servant by. Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree, and I will bring a piece of bread that you may refresh yourselves. After that, you may go on since you have visited your servant. And they said, so do as you have said. Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, quickly, prepare three measures of fine flour, knead it, and make bread cakes. Abraham also ran to the herd and took a tender and choice calf and gave it to the servant, and he hurried to prepare it. He took curds and milk. And the calf which he had prepared and placed it before them. And he was standing by them under the tree as they ate. A few different things here that we can see out of this scripture. All right. They were required to provide food. All right. They were required to provide water. And they were required to provide rest. All right. Those are a few different things that we can pull out of that scripture by itself. So. It's very important whenever being a good host that you provide at least these three things. Now, there are a few other things. And as we translate this into our lives and we look at what God has come to do and what Jesus has come to do in our lives, some of us in this room need food. All right, now, I'm not talking about the, the type of food that you can eat because back then, the food that they needed, it was actually uh, more representative of the, uh, the ag agrarian culture. They needed finances in that time as well. All right, so yes, they were providing food, but for now, we can translate that into provision or financial provision as well. Some of y'all need food. Some of y'all need spiritual food, okay? And so for some of you in this room right now, you're looking for some financial stability. Guess what? God came to offer that. For some of you, you're looking for water. Some of you are thirsty. Have you, have you ever had that, that moment? I, I don't know if you have or not, but you, you have that moment where you're longing for something. You just can't figure it out, and you're thirsty. You, you can feel it. You can't explain it. You can't put it into words, but there is something inside of you that's going, I need something else. There's something that isn't clicking right now, and I'd venture to say that it's probably that spiritual thirst that you haven't realized yet. Some of you need rest in this room. Some of you let your, your schedules dictate your spirituality more than God. I know some of your schedules. They're nuts. Some of you need to just take a break. Some of you need to reevaluate, take a step back, and make some time to just rest. Guess what? God doesn't need heroes. And if you're trying to be a hero for the church, if you're trying to be a hero for your family, I get it. I get that, that you want to be that hero. But you know what God commanded? He didn't command heroes, but he did command every seven days that you have one day for rest. Guess what? You can be a hero the other six days. Let's keep going. We're going to go to Luke. <clears throat> Luke 
Seven. All right. The next thing that, that they were required to, to provide was cleansing. Now, they would wash each other's feet. All right. But here's an illustration where we can see that even Jesus expected hospitality. Now, one of the Pharisees was requesting him, that's Jesus, to dine with him. And he entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, there was a woman in the city who was a sinner. And when she learned that he was reclining at the table in Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vial of perfume. And standing behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and kept wiping them with the hair of her head and kissing his feet and anointing them with the perfume. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of person this woman is who is touching him, as she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. That's not good. And he replied, say it, teacher. A certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they were unable to repay, he graciously forgave them both. Which of them, therefore, will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have judged correctly. And turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. See, she was showing hospitality whenever it wasn't her place. He expected his feet to be cleansed because that was the tradition of the time. And God uses the traditions. Listen, for, for these people getting their feet cleansed, it wasn't just about having dirty feet. It was about cleansing the journey. Some of you people in here right now need to be cleansed from your journey. We say it often. We're with you on the journey. Sometimes our journeys aren't pretty. Sometimes we don't like the journey that we're on. Sometimes you need rest, food, water. Sometimes you need to be cleansed. And you're in a good place today. There was an expectation, man. There was an expectation that they'd be cleansed from their journey. It's crazy. Let's go to Judges. See, there's one more thing here. <clears throat> That had to be provided. Protection. Let's go to Judges here. Judges 19.23. Then the man, this was the homeowner. Then the man, the owner of the house, went out to them and said to them, No, my fellows, please do not act so wickedly. Since this man has come into my house, do not commit this act of folly. See, there were a bunch of people outside this guy's house that wanted that stranger. They wanted him. And it's crazy because the stranger isn't the one that goes out to confront them. The guy who doesn't know this man goes out to confront them. He puts his life on the line for this stranger. That was the tradition. See, they had, a, they had a tradition of protection. And as I look at this, I look at who the host was, right? That, this was the Jews. I look at the hostility towards the Gentiles. 
We have our Gentiles over here. And, and I, start, I start putting the pieces together here, right? They, they were supposed to provide food, water, rest, cleansing, protection for these strangers, for these Gentiles. They were supposed to provide all of this, and they didn't even know them. They weren't a part of their family. They weren't a part of their culture. They didn't, they didn't like what all they did. It didn't matter. They, they came into their house, and as a result, they were expected to show love, one-sided hospitality. There was no expectation of repayment. If we look at John, John 6, 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger. John 7, 37. Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out to him saying, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Matthew eleven thirty eight. 38. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. 1 John 1, 7. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all of our sin. Last one, John, chapter 10, verses 11 through 16. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming, and he leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and is not concerned about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. And I know my own, and my own know me. Even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. Here's the kicker. I have other sheep. Sound like strangers? Sound like Gentiles? I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also. And they will hear my voice and they will become one flock with one shepherd. Yeah, that's okay. See, we come back to Ephesians. Come back to Ephesians chapter 3, and he's talking about this mystery that, that hasn't been revealed. It's something that's been around them, but they didn't understand it. This love that surpasses knowledge. But God uses the traditions of men in order to prove a point about who his son is, about, about proving a point about who Jesus is. And I've got news for you. It's Jesus. He's the host. And then over here, this is us with a big U.S., right? That's us. Jesus is the host. It's one-way grace. It's one way to us. He provides food. He provides water. He provides rest, cleansing, and protection because that's who he is. That's who God wants wanted him to be. That's who he is in our lives. And if you haven't found it yet, it's right there. It's just waiting for you. See, we have a hard time associating with something that is so beyond our comprehension. God wanted to try to break it down for us. 
And unfortunately, in this day and age, we don't have the traditions like this. See, these were real things that had to be done a certain way. We don't really have that anymore. That's hard for us to comprehend fully. So I want to offer up a thought. Since we don't have this and we understand what it is, that grace is something that cannot be repaid, and that we go into it, we offer love. All right? the, the, the grace is Jesus' love. And the love that Jesus has to offer cannot be repaid, nor did he ever expect it to be repaid. So I want to offer this. Can you throw this up here? This week, I, it, it's hard for us to get to this, but this week, is it possible for us to go out into our community and do stuff for people that we do not know and never expect repayment. Because it's not just important that we know this, right? I I see some of you right now taking pictures of this, and that's great. And I want you to take this away, and I want you to research it. I want you to look into it. Because knowing this is good. Knowing it in your brain is good. But here's the thing. A lot of Jewish people knew all of the traditions. A lot of Jewish people knew what the scripture said. But because they knew it, but they didn't know it, they didn't experience it. It wasn't revealed to them. They missed it. So I want you to take this away with you this week. But I want you to take this away. And while this speaks to your brain, let this speak to your heart. God, I thank you so much, Lord. God, I thank you for your hospitality. I thank you for your grace. God, when I look at the the smallness of who I am, Lord, and the greatness of your plan and purpose, Lord, as I look at my journey, God, you came to cleanse me, God. You came to protect me. I don't even know why. I'm a stranger in your land, and you chose to bring me into your home. God, I I pray for the people in this room right now, Lord. If they're hungry, thirsty, God, for you, Lord, give them what they need. It's not always what we want, God, but you do give us what we need, Lord. God, if they need rest, Lord, help them identify the areas in their life that they can hold off on so that they can find the rest in you, Lord. And not just sleep, but rest in you. Lord, help them find the cleansing, Lord, that they need. If that's you, let's, let's pause on cleansing for a second. If you've been on a long journey right now and you need some cleansing, you don't you you haven't had that relationship with Jesus right you haven't you haven't accepted Jesus into your life but you know that your journey's been long and and dirty and you need some cleansing you need someone to protect you to give you food water and rest i want you to hold your hand up
Dear God, I, I thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you're doing here today. God, we love you, Lord. And as we go out this week, let us never be the same. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.